there, it's Mike Tramp, and you're listening to White Lion Fever, where rock and roll is still alive like it always has been and it always will be. Hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, White Lion Fever. This is a new episode, but our guest, it's his final um, little segment with us. Uh, he's been on three previous programs and i'd like to thank him for joining us it's scott ginn uh from rags and riches maz xt and many many other projects welcome back scott um now you've been out of music for 20 years um and uh and you decide to make a comeback um what prompts this uh, decision and what is a maz xt <laughs> okay let's answer the easy quick one first maz xt looking was looking for a name um came up with Mass Extinction, saw that there was other bands around by the same name, um, wanted something that was unique when you Googled it, and came up with this abbreviated version, Mass ah, Extinction. That's good. So it's an abbreviation, Mass Extinction. Okay. Um, and hence, the first album at the brink of eternity with the, um, the image of the um, Armageddon kind of image of um, Asteroid crashing into a planet, and at the moment before <laughs> the moment before that happens is when you are at the brink of eternity. Um, now, what was the, the second question? The second <laughs> question is why you decide to make a return to music, and I've got a great follow-up question after this. But but yeah, why you decide to make a, a comeback? It, sorry, yes, it, it was it was a, a kind of a happy accident because in the meantime of in that period of not playing music, I got into making games because my kids played games and I became an avid uh, supporter of the Tomb Raider game and got into communities online um, and ended up being more fascinated by the game making um, process rather than so much playing games um, and built a bunch of um, independent um, custom level games within that community. That led to me producing backing tracks for it, uh, ambient music tracks, um, and then one day experimenting with my digital workstation going, I wonder if I could make a rock song with this stuff. And um, and off we went. And then once one was done, then the um, floodgates opened and uh, <laughs> 20 years of um, <laughs> creativity came flooding out of me. <laughs> wow. That's an incredible story. Well, so... Um the, uh, the, my follow-up question, actually, to your first answer was going to be: your your work is at a museum, um, you know, DNA samples. Did that impact? Did that was that connected to your interest in the concept of of mass extinction? Like, was that why you thought that that was an interesting you know, title? Um, it was. It was kind of a. Uh, it was almost a, a tongue-in-cheek thing. There again, um, it's a happy. Yeah, it's a happy play on on those on those words because um, you've got uh, yes, all the, the the prehistoric sort of reference to it, but um, the, the the modern sort of take on it being the sort of heavy metal overtones of it. Right, right. And is this work doing uh, backing music for um, computer games? Is this a profitable venture? Is this is this the the underpinning of, of, of your return to music that, you know, like, is it, does it finance, you know, the fact that you're back doing music? 
no, totally an amateur <laughs> hobby. All right, okay, okay, okay. And so, and so, Rags and Riches also made a comeback. What was the, what was the the industry you left twenty years previous? How did it compare to the one you'd re-entered? Oh, the music industry. Well, um, or perhaps lack thereof. <laughs> Coming back. Um, yeah. Um, look, um, massively different, uh, and 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 the steep learning curve for me was not only sort of um, learning the the whole sort of digital recording process, which came actually fairly naturally because I was a sound engineer before, so it was that was a reasonably easy adaptation. What was the um, steep learning curve for me was the whole leap into to social media. I'd mm. never been on anything, any social media before. So, you know, I sort of dragged myself screaming eventually onto Facebook to, <laughs> to, 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 to learn what was involved. And then um, the production and of, of the music itself, the online, you know, setting up online uh, sales and that whole um, marketing and uh, and the production and and the fun thing really for me which was being able net that you know be able to not having to rely on a record company to, to to bring out an album that you can produce your own CDs and I do all my own artwork for for the CDs which again is just just satisfies my my I guess my creative um, curiosity um so um having that artistic control to be able to do whatever you want whenever you want is is um um is great freedom yeah right and and what have you what have, and 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 i guess as far as your goals and um and the progress you've made since you made the return to the to the music industry i guess it might have been what five six years ago um um, where are you at compared to where you expected and where you wanted to be? Pretty much exactly where I where I, I planned to be, which was I, I kind of set a five-year goal of saying I, I want to do five albums in five years um, and um, and that's not five new albums, that's at least five albums and I've done that with the Woman Army, two Rags and Riches albums, retrospective at Rags and Riches albums. Two Maz XT albums and the third Maz XT album's about seventy-five percent complete now. Right, I'll probably that'll be heard of this year or twenty-two. What can you tell us about the album, mate? What, what any 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 titles or subject matter? I mean, you, the subject matter doesn't seem to be about the end of the world and all that sort of stuff, even though the even though the name of the band is inspired by those sorts of things. <laughs> um. Yeah, I tend to lyrically. I, I don't know that. I, I tend to write in in riddles in some ways. In um, sometimes from experience, sometimes from sort of voyeuristic observation. Um, so, and it's a mixture of, um, you know, I suppose in the past we we would always write about drinking and womanizing and you know, all the typical sex, drugs, and rock and roll that was the 80s um, and I still kind of like those tongue-in-cheek kind of lyrics but you know it is <laughs> tongue-in-cheek when you get to my age. <laughs> in, in, in your own cheek, in your own cheek now. 
Um, but but uh, some of the material um, through some perhaps sad and life experience, which are too personal to relate directly, um, um, have given me some inspiration for writing perhaps some more serious lyrics. Yeah. Right, right. So when when can we expect this uh, album out, Scott, and um, what will it be called, or is it too early to, to say? Yeah, look, it doesn't have it. Yeah, it's it's just got the working title of Mazx T3 at the moment, um, which is not very inspired. <laughs> um, that, that'll change. I, I usually always have a, have a title. Um, it'll probably be one of one of the the the, the tracks that are that are on there. Um, um, but um, my my process is, you know, when you when you're writing and recording and doing the whole kit yourself, it's um, it's it's quite a long process, and uh, and I don't rush it, and I don't have to. Um, I suppose it takes one and a half to two years for each cycle to, to do the full thing. And I once I've recorded it, and then sort of got the, the actual production of the the product underway. Um, I then like to try and do some number of video clips that I've got a few sort of in the in the bag um, to um, gradually release. Um, I may well do it in a kind of different order this year or when I do it, which is to bring out a couple of um, singles first, um, sort of culminating in, in the um, uh, album release, which seems to be a, um, a method that some bands are embarking on now. Yeah, yeah. Well, Scott, I really appreciate your time. Is there, Before we go, is there a place that people who are listening and uh, watching can can um, um, visit you and, and check out what you're doing. Yep. So there are um, Facebook Maz XT M A Z dash XT is uh, on Facebook. Rags and Riches Australia uh, is on Facebook, um, and all the material is um, uh, available uh, on my online store and um, on Bandcamp. So. Um, you can deal directly with the artist there and uh, that's the best way to do it, folks. Okay. What song can we finish with there, uh, Scott? Just thinking about this and I think we'll take it to the top, which with your football background, I've always thought this is a song that ought to, ought to be played, you know, for State of Origin because it's got a great chorus that's highly uplifting and with a slightly different lyric. So let's do that. Take it to the top from um, Heaven Is Only Earth. A moment away, album. Yes, sir.
Hey there, it's Scott Ginn from Rags and Riches and Maz XT, and you're listening to and watching White Line Fever with Steve Mascord. Welcome back, and a big welcome to our next guest. I think the, I think he won't remember. I think I previously interviewed him about two decades apart, and we've waited another decade for the third interview. Jizzy Pearl, how are you, Jizzy? Well, let's hope it's not another decade. I don't know if I'll be alive. <laughs> Well, um, yeah, we've just been, we've both sort of been working on our hair um, off, off camera. I think we've got it right now. So, um, um, yeah, I like, we, I like the kid, I like the kid and play thing you have going. <laughs> um, and um, you've got a something new uh, song, out, Wanna Be Somebody, Jizzy. Um, is that, um, it's on Golden Robot, which is an Australian label. And we'll just start with the nuts and bolts, the really basic stuff. What's tell us about the song? Tell us about it's about a woman moving to Hollywood. Is it set in the nineties? Is it based on a true story? What, what's, what's it's it, I it, it's it based on a true story in the sense that that it's a cautionary tale of people coming to L.A. Okay, got it. People yep. going to L.A. with the intention of you know making the big time, and then they end up you know taking their clothes off for money. Mm. You know what I mean? It's just, it, you know, the, there's, there's a million, there's a million actors aspiring, you know, waiting tables in Los Angeles, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough crowd. So yeah, this girl sort of goes to the dark side of the force and, uh, and, and I'm, I'm, it's a cautionary tale. That's yeah. what it is. Was it written during lockdown or was it why, why write it in 2021? Was there a reason? It was, uh, the record was written in a lockdown uh, thing. Yeah. I mean, I just did this podcast and somebody said, it seems like all the musicians were coming out with records during lockdown. I mean, well, what the fuck else are we going to do yeah, yeah. other than Netflix and weed? <laughs> who plays on the, who plays on the song, Jizzy? Um, I got Darren Householder on guitar and I, uh, my drummer plays in the band Puddle of Mud. He's their guy. And, uh, and me. Mm, mm. And there's a whole record ready to go. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. It's coming out February of next year. And do we have a title yet? Any information? Can you leak anything? It's 10 songs. The title is Hell California. It's Jizzy Pearl's Love Hate and it's coming out on, on the wonderful robot. Yeah, yeah, Golden Robot. And Hell California, obviously a reference back to the first record. What's, do you, have you re-recorded the song or have you? No, uh, it's just sort of, it's, it's, it's just a funny title. I, I, if I wanted to say Hell California Population One, <laughs> then I suppose I could have, but uh, it's just a title. Yeah, yeah. And how, um, how did you come to be on Golden Robot? Called him up. All right. Called him okay. up and I sent him some demos and, and we, we struck a deal. It was very, uh, it was very painless. Yeah, cool. And you were previously on Frontiers, right? You were, right. How recently was that? What, what? A couple of years ago. A couple right. of years ago. I did a record with them. Hmm. And did that just lapse or did you want to change? I just, they didn't, they didn't and I didn't want to continue. So uh, that was it. And what, what is like a record, like I'm not asking for, you know, contractual details, but just basically for those of us outside the industry, what is a record deal in 2021? Like, what does it mean? It's obviously very different. to Well, what it, for me, it's, 
give me some money to make a record Mm. and let me make a record. And, you know, when you get the record, you put out the record. Um, It's different for new bands. Mm. You know, record deals, I guess, are structured differently. If you're a brand new band, there's things called 360 deals Mm. where record companies take a piece of everything, your merchandise, your publishing, your, you know what I mean? Because Mm. they're, people don't buy records the way they used to. And I guess they just want to extract their pound of flesh. Yeah. You know, so, uh, but as far as for me and for, I guess what you would call established artists, they just, they, you strike a deal, they give you money and you deliver the record complete. Mm -hmm. You're due over here in the UK in February. I take it these days the record companies have no input at all into touring, right? That's a, Completely well, thing. I mean, of course they want you to tour your ass off, but <laughs> um, as as for my UK tour, it's been rescheduled three times because of COVID, obviously. You know, and it's it's painstaking to have to have to reschedule over and over and over and over because it's just it's sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes, you know, you can't do it. So I'm hoping that in february i'll be able to you know come back yep i warned you uh for the audio component that we would uh play a song every well five minutes or so um what song can we listen to first up jizzy um what a song of mine yeah anything you want anything in the history of recorded music <laughs> uh rush side one twenty one twelve. no i'm just kidding uh Play, uh, do you have that song Soul Mama off my Golden Robot record? Yeah, yeah play that bad boy. Dream catcher, are you bitch? Sin is just a 
Jizzy Pearl here, hanging with Steve, and you're listening to White Line Fever. And uh, welcome back to everyone listening on the podcast, and it's the second part um, of an interview with Alex from Hookers and Blow, and also from Quiet Ride and a bunch of other bands which we're going to ask him about, um, we ask him about now, um, and, and in the third part of the interview as well. I, I just wondered, um, you know, um, I started off the, you know, the, the whole the interview by saying, you know, you must be the youngest person in in every band you're in. Um, do, do you kind of ever, and I, I guess I ask a few other people this as well, do you wish you were five years older and you kind of saw um, everything at its peak or, or do you are you kind of glad that you weren't there for that madness? Um, I, I think I'm happy where I'm at because I think I grew up at a time when, when it was really good for, when the shift happened, like we talked about earlier with between, you know, the hair metal thing and Nirvana coming out, it kind of definitely broaden my horizons as far as like learning about just strict st- straightforward songwriting there's mm-hmm. a lot of good that came out of that too i mean i don't mean to bag on it but you know it, it became more about the song and less about the theatrics of the you know finger tapping guitar solos and all that crap it became more about good songs regardless of what genre of music you know and that's what mm-hmm. you know you look at the late 90s a lot of those bands that were big were writing you know they're a lot of them were pretty good songs and they could have been in any genre you know and so it kind of gave me a balance between, you know, the wanting to be CC DeVille and then wanting to be the, you know, write a good song like the Jim Blossoms, you know, because some of that stuff's great. Yeah. yeah so yeah. It's, I, I wouldn't change anything. Yeah. You, you also, I guess, have an insight into, um, you know, in, in, in a band, intra band relationships as well and, and the way that guys' relationships fray. I know you, you know, you said you're on a bus with, guys in four, one interview I was just watching, you're on a bus on a tour with guys in four 80s bands at once and they're all bickering <laughs> and stuff like that. So so what do you make of that? And now you're in the business, you know, you book bands and stuff like that. Um, you know, it, it, it can't have been an easy time really with all the substances and all the, you know, um, all the pressure, all the stardom, all the, re- the big corporate record companies piling pressure on you and dropping bands left, right and centre. Um, you know, it, 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 I guess we we venerate it now, don't we? We think it they were the golden years, but there was a downside to those years as well. Yeah, I could see that. Still there? Sorry. So, sorry about that. I got a phone, I had a phone call coming in. Um, it, the downside, you know, it's it's kind of it kind of you know comes with the territory. You know, what goes up must come down. Mm-hmm. And you know. I'm, I think I'm glad I met some of these guys after the eighties. I, you know, they say a lot of them are like, yo, you didn't want to meet me 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you know? Yeah. 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 Manny, you did, when you, when you first kind of, um, you know, um, I guess arrived in Los Angeles and you first got involved in, you know, beautiful creatures and, 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 um, and, and also quite right. Did you kind of think, did you have an idea, a career path for yourself where, it was going to be a bit like the eighties that it was going to be, you know, you were going to get your free buds and you were going to live in a house and you were going to, you were going to take on the world. And was that, or did you always know that kind of that, um, that age had passed and that, that wasn't the way you do it. You know, they, they say water always reaches its own level and rock and roll. You don't choose rock and roll, rock rock and roll chooses you. Yeah. You know, I mean, the way things worked out, you know, I was playing with in a a bunch of different bands in LA just to pay the rent. And, you know, just so happens I wandered into the cat club one night and met all these dudes and just started networking. And next thing you know, I'm in literally within a, a year or two years of getting into that scene. I'm, a, I'm the new guitarist at Quiet Riot all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. You know, it just kind of happened, you know. It just, you know, there's 
they say it's just meant to be. And, you know, kind of, kind I guess it kind of was, you know, I didn't do anything anybody else wasn't doing, you know, as far as networking and whatnot. It just, you know, you, you, you pick and choose what you want to do based on what you're good at. And, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I've played in, you know, hardcore punk bands and super metal bands and, you know, teen pop, you know, female, like the next Avril Lavigne type thing. And I feel at home when I'm playing hard rock, you know, it's just what I'm about. Yeah, yeah. And you know. you've auditioned, you said you auditioned for Nine Inch Nails, you auditioned. Um, no, after- I was called, I, a week after I signed my contract with Pirata, I called the audition for the Nine Inch Nails. Oh, you didn't go. Them. You didn't go. I didn't go. No, I had no point in going. Blew it off. But, you know, and I'm glad I did because I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be in that band anymore. It probably would have lasted six months. I'm, you know, here I am 18 years in the Quiet Riot. What about yeah. Guns N' Roses? Uh, you know, you're auditioning to replace uh, Buckethead. And I guess some of the songs that are just coming out now have been around that long. They're older than your, your audition, you know. Like, uh... <laughs> I believe so. Yeah. No, I just, that was, that was in 2006. And they, they, they called a lot of guitar players, if I recall. But, um, you know, they obviously they ended up with Bumblefoot, who's, you know, I can't do what that guy does, you know. But um, yeah, no, that was, that was an experience. That was cool. And, um, you know, just part of the journey. Yeah, yeah. Let's have another song. What song are we doing? What song would you like to play? I guess something off um off the album. Um, let me think about that. Uh, play the body count cover we did. The winner loses. Addicted to cocaine Smokes day and night Drives my heart insane Living his life in the dark light Every dollar he gets goes into the pipe He wants to borrow some money from me
Hey, this is Alex Krause from Hookers and Blow and Quiet Riot, and you're watching and listening to White Line Fever Podcast. Welcome back, and um, I wonder if it ever gets boring being introduced as a legend, if it ever gets old. Uh, <laughs> maybe we'll ask that as a first question uh, to the man who invented hard rock drumming, Carmine uh, Apice. How are you, Carmine? I'm all right. How are you doing? Good, good. We had some technical problems before. That's kind of the... Yeah, I know. The issue, the issue that of our, of our age, but I, I appreciate you waiting and, and, and thanks very much. You're doing, um, I know I, I was able to do a lot of research because you're doing a lot of press at the moment and um, yes. it must be like, you could be asked any question from the last 50 years of rock music. People could pull out anything. Um, it, you must be surprised <laughs> by some of the questions you get. Um, most of them are the same. <laughs> really yeah you know that was the first <laughs> that question was the first but most of them are the same yeah, you know? yeah is it different from the old days when you were i suppose you were dealing with kind of rock music journalists you know like especially over here in in london you know um <laughs> yeah uh, like melody maker and 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 mne was it was it nme that what it sounds the musical express that's what it was yeah yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, it's t totally different because uh, you have to deal with Zoom. Most of the interviews were either on the phone or live. Yeah, you know, and you know. Uh, and they actually came out where people can have them in their hand. Yeah, and yeah. read it and have it on their you know their table in the living yeah. room, and somebody comes in, they can read it. You know. Yeah. Uh, these today, it's it's crazy. You know, it's crazy stuff, especially with those, all this COVID stuff. I just came back from a run of shows with my brother. You know, we do this uh, A Peace Brothers Drum Wars show. And, you know, he's, then you've got to show the validation that you were, you, uh, you know, had the vaccine and or a, a test, you know, of COVID. This, this COVID thing is unbelievable. It is. You know? It is. It's just I mean, changed everything. Do you also people are doing, and you've been able to do more interviews like this on on Zoom. Um, and, but the are the, que the questions must be very different than they were in like the seventies. You know what I mean? Like I mean, because you've got people interviewing you now who are kind of fans. You know what I mean? They're they're they're, they're yeah. doing like a lot of musicians now. A lot of people are doing websites and podcasts in their spare time. Yeah. You know? So yeah. so the I, mean, I have a I have a show with my brother. It's called Hanging and Banging. <laughs> <clears throat> We've done sixty seven episodes so far every week. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, last week we had John Five and Eddie from Twisted Sister and uh, my buddy Fernando Podoma, who's on the new album mm. that I just released with him to call it um, Energy Overload album. It's an instrumental album, a killer. Mm. Great record on Cleopatra, you know, but, you know, people watch it. It's unbelievable how people watch this stuff, you know. We, we we're, we're here to talk about obviously the the new uh, Vanilla Fudge, Fudge yeah yeah um, which is on Golden Robot Records, a great Australian uh, um, company. Um, and I I mean, do you get wistful um, when you talk about Vanilla Fudge? Do you um you know you're obviously yeah. you got so many things going on. Do you, do you ever get sort of wistful? <coughs> wistful? Yeah, wistful, kind of a bit nostalgic, maybe a bit sad. No, no, not really. I've been I've been you know playing with the Fudge for so long. Hmm. It's, it's my band. You know, there was a time from like, I don't know, 1974. No, I'd say 1970 until 1987. I didn't do anything with Vanilla Fudge. Mm. You know, there's a cactus and 
King Cobra and BBA and, and Blue Murder and Edgar Winter, you know, I was just out playing, having a good time, you know. Mm. And then uh, and we started doing Vanilla Fudge again in the 2000s. Yeah, yeah. And that actually brings me to a question I wanted to ask in this first segment, which is, you know, tell me what it was. Now everyone, everyone does have a lot of projects. People are in five bands, six bands. and um, mm -hmm. um, But, but, but in, when you started, was that unusual? Was it unusual to have your... Yeah, you, you would yeah. have one band. I mean, a matter of fact, I lost out on, on playing with Rainbow, Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, and, and that big, giant Whitesnake record mm, yeah. because I was signed to a, a label with other bands. Mm. Now, in 76, when I was asked to join Rainbow, I was signed to MCA with Mike Bloomfield and Rick Gretsch from Blind Faith. And mm. in those days, you're signed to a label. You're signed to a label. Mm. That's it. You're not, mm. like, uh, able to leave once you're signing on the dotted line, when, when Whitesnake asked me to do that big album that they did before they knew it was going to be big, John Sykes and, uh, and Coverdale asked me to, to do the album. I couldn't do it. Mm. I was signed to Capitol Records, my own deal for King Cobra. Mm. You know, wow. I said, I got my own snake to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, my snake didn't do 27 million albums. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing to think that if the you know you could have been on more records and you know yeah. been in more projects because I I don't know how you I mean how do you as someone who tries to juggle a lot of different things I mean you know you you man, managing this band Kodiak you got speaking tours the book was out four year uh, four years ago um, you know like I mean how do you divide up your time I mean today I know how annoyed you must have been when there was no one at the other end of the Zoom because you're trying to do so many things. You know what I mean? Like how, 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 well, yeah, but, but I just got back from uh, doing gigs and like we did our last Sunday in New York and then Wednesday was supposed to be in Pennsylvania and it got blown out because of COVID. Mm -hmm. So my brother Vinny was in New York at our apartment in New York. You know, I live in Florida now, so I just got mm -hmm. back last night, but you know, it was interesting playing gigs for the first time. Mm -hmm. And my brother's been playing some gigs with last in line with Vivian Campbell and Phil Susan, but, yeah, this was my first gigs last week. And first night, it was like weird. Tore my mm. fingers up. I blistered, tore it off, you know. And uh, then we had four days off. And then the next gig was better. And then the last gig was great. And now we're done. So uh, <laughs> my next gig now is the uh, 26th of October. We have four vanilla fudge gigs. And then, uh, then three cactus gigs. And then four more vanilla fudge gigs. So... But they're in different venues, so you know, different parts of the country. Yeah, I, let, I, I warned you for the listeners. We're going to have a, a song now. Um, any song in the history of recorded music, but I, I won't. I won't try to lead you. What What can we listen to? Well, play that new uh, Vanilla Foot song. I will. Stop I will. in the name of love.
watching you walking down the street Knowing you're all the love you meet This time it's for you run to him Leaving me alone and grim Take it over, baby
Hey, it's Tom out of peace, and you're listening to White Line Fever. Keep rocking. Welcome back to White Line Fever. Um, my name's Steve Mascot, second part of our interview with Christian and Dolph um, from the, the Mighty Datsuns from New Zealand, but none of us are in New Zealand right now. Uh, I'm in London, so it's Christian and, um, and Dolph's in, in Sweden. And there is a, I mean, being an expat is, a, is, a, is an interesting experience. And, um, you know, in normal times, expats tend to have very harsh views of their country of origin from afar. Um, and people say you go native very quickly when you're an expat, but particularly in the last sort of um, um, uh, 12 months where Sweden's approach to COVID is the exact opposite of New Zealand's. Like, couldn't, couldn't, <laughs> yeah, it couldn't be more different. <laughs> so in a band situation, um, does that create any, do you find you have a band meeting like we're talking now and is the first 10 minutes taken up with what are you guys doing up there? What are you guys doing down there? You know, does, no. it, does it become a kind of a, um, a, a, you know, an issue? It's definitely an issue for us because it causes the kind of the main thing that the band is, like I was saying before about playing shows, to not exist. So the main kind of driving force of, I mean, we write the songs, but we want to be together. Like the entity that is the Datsuns is four people in a room playing. So mm-hmm. uh, we can't do that. So it's very frustrating. So it's been more kind of, uh, you know, we used to talk almost daily, Christian and I, about this sort of COVID situation. And now, you know, it's 18 months later. And when we do talk now, it's more about songwriting and that kind of thing. We both kind of have our routines and mask wearing and uh, social distancing that's been going on for a while. I mean, I'm more interested in writing some songs right now. Um, yeah, it's easy to kind of go down the spiral and get sort of hung up on the doom of it all. Right, Christian? <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. I've been down that <laughs> vortex for a little bit. I think it's quite weird also because uh, our experience of the whole situation, coronavirus, has been much different from New Zealand people's um, experience of it. So there's kind of a disconnect in, in that sense as well, when communicating with other people, you know, they've had really different experiences of the last 18 months. Yeah, I mean, you, Christian, pretty much hasn't left his apartment. I mean, I've been out with, uh, I've got small children, so we're, we're kind of out quite a lot, and I live by parks and things like that. So, I'm, I mean, relatively, it's been, relatively to other parts of the world, it's been pretty good here. Yeah, but, you need some posters yeah. for the wall there, it shouldn't be have an appeal <laughs> um i just i just wondered if um you guys are like when are you going to get together and how and and, and like i mean like we've been talking about the the problems with getting together yeah when, when's it likely to happen man your guess is as good as mine I yeah think. It's, we've been talking about on... it for a long time and we still don't have an answer on that <laughs> yeah it's pretty boring <laughs> it's like oh this could happen um New Zealand have this very strict quarantine. So when you come in, you have to sit in this hotel for two weeks. And, and pay for the pleasure. Um, and pay for the pleasure, obviously. And then, uh, so that kind of makes things more difficult. I mean, I've got a young family here. I don't really want to leave my wife alone, you know, with two small kids for, an, you know, say I go to New Zealand to do a bunch of shows, that'll be, I don't know, four or five weeks. And, but then an extra two weeks on top of that makes the whole thing a little bit shaky. Um, I think once these vaccinations sort of start kind of rolling out more extensively, it'll be better. 
I'm totally vaccinated now. You too, right, Christian? Yeah. Yeah, the, the whole thing is just really confusing. Um, nobody knows what for us because we're all so spread out. We don't know what's going on. We get asked yeah. that all the time and we can't give anybody a, an answer to that <laughs> at all. Apart I mean, from what you'd like to play. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the only positive thing I can say is we've been writing lots of songs and um, getting back to what you said before, you know, it's eye to eye kind of about the situation we've been in. It's not because we started writing it like 2016. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the themes were kind of around before, well before all this stuff. So it'll be interesting once this next record is done, the new one we're working on now, what kind of themes are in there too, since we've been writing it amongst all this kind of chaos. Before we um, have another song, um, what do you... What do you what do you think will you be a different sort of spectacle live when you finally get back together? Do you think you'll look the same and jump around as much? I mean, Karang <laughs> Karang said you were the greatest um, live act in the world um, at, at one point. Like, yeah, does that just happen? All of it does it have its own life, or does it need to? Well, be- I mean, that was like twenty years ago, so I, I yeah. would it would be logical to assume we <laughs> maybe not have quite as much uh, energy, but. I don't know. The, the songs kind of they cry out to be performed in a certain kind of way, and um, the kind of shoegaze thing on stage. I don't think it's going to work for for our kind of music. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe we have to might have to warm up a little bit before shows these days. A few stretches, you know, that we didn't have to do twenty years ago. Phil was a very fit man. Maybe he can get us into like a regimen before this next yeah. tour. Let's um, let's have another song. What song can we play now? Uh, this song is called Dehumanize. It's the second, the third single from the record.
this is Stoll from the Datsuns, and you're listening, watching White Line Fever. Welcome back. My name's Steve Mascord. This is White Line Fever. Don't forget to subscribe and look at the show notes and all that sort of stuff. I want to welcome our guest, John Karabi. John, how are you, mate? I'm all right, buddy. How are you? We're doing our best. We're doing our best, mate. Um, we're here to talk about Cosi Bella, the new um, single you put out. And um, um, I guess this is all very uh, DIY. And um, this is kind of like you almost retrained yourself during lockdown from listening to some of the other interviews. You learned how to use Pro Tools. You wrote a book and you pretty much put this song together yourself. Well, I, 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 I can't say myself. I did have Marty Fredrickson at the helm but you know with with the covid that hit covid thing hit you know i had already been in the studio with marty starting some songs and um obviously it was like you know everybody just go home stay home don't you know so he went to florida i was here and i was kind of to be honest with you, i was kind of panicked about it i'm just sitting there like wow you know and it made me rethink everything like you know, in this day and age of the music industry, it made me rethink and go, wow, like more than 90% of my income comes from live shows. Mm -hmm. um, then I started kicking myself in the arse because I was like, all these records I've done in the past, I never really sat behind the board and figured out how everything works. So I was tell, I told my wife, I'm like, man, you know, if I would have been smart back in the day and learned how to use Pro Tools, I could at least navigated my way through this non-working situation and just been recording anything, like new original music, cover songs, whatever, and put them up on a website or something for people to download and maybe soften the blow a little bit. But anyway, I no sooner said it, I got an ad on my Instagram. It was like, learn to use Pro Tools. So I called them up. I took the classes. I bought the stuff that I need. And now I'm still a bit of a caveman with it. Um, it takes me probably a couple of days to do something Marty can do in 10 minutes. But at least I'm here in my house in the safety of my own house. I'm recording music and then I get it as far as I can take it. And I email everything to Marty and then he sprinkles his magic fairy dust on it. Makes it sound like I knew what I was doing. <laughs> it's, it's funny because as someone who writes, I did the same thing, tried to learn how to use Adobe InDesign during lockdown so I could publish myself. You know what I mean? Um, do you think we'll ever go back now? You know, we've become, we've, we've learned to do so many things ourselves. Is there no turning back from this or... Or do you think uh, when the, if there will be a time when we do get other people in and we, we forget the skills we learned during this period? No, you know what? I think for the most part, I'm kind of digging, even, even though for me, again, it's a slow process, but I'm kind of digging the fact that um, I, I've basically, I am my own record label. I'm recording my own stuff. And then even the video that I did for Casabella, I, you know, I, I was saying to a friend, I'm like, I want to learn how to do the videos too. I, I, I want to, you know, I don't want to, I, I was kind of at a point where I, I realized during COVID how much we rely on other people mm. to help us do whatever it is that we're, we want to do. 
so I just wanted to be more self-sufficient, self-reliant and knock some stuff out. And, and it was weird. Like I kind of, I'm kind of, I'm still figuring stuff out. Like even the video though, I was calling some friends. I'm like, Hey, I want to do a video. What kind of a camera do I need? What kind of an editing? And you know, and it's funny, this friend of mine here in Nashville, he said, you don't need a camera, dude. Just go get either an iPhone 11 or 12. And he goes, cause they're the pixels and the high definition. It's all like, so my last video that we did, me and a friend of mine, Chris Romero, we shot the video with two iPhones and then Fantastic. yeah, gave it to another friend of mine who actually edited, edited the whole thing from his house. I never, we never, we were never, never in the same room together. We just kind of filmed it and then sent, you know, stuff off to this buddy of mine in Denver and he edited it and sent it back. So it's, I'm kind of digging it. The only thing I don't dig is now, like, for example, today, my day consists of having a couple cups of coffee, then knock out these interviews. Then I have to go get my coach together because I'm playing shows this weekend. Then I have to go into the studio, finish the guitar parts that I want to do, send them off to Marty to make sure he fairy dusts everything. And then I have to start planning. So like, I kind of bit off a little more than I could chew because now I'm wearing all the hats. I'm the video director, the engineer, I'm the producer. I, you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. and, and then it's just, it's just been crazy, but um, hence the slow moving process, but it's, it's, I like it. It's freedom. It's fun to learn all these other skills, isn't it? I guess, but the, the trick is to know your limitations where I'm still pretty crap at that. And I can't really put that out in the public. I'll get someone else to do it. And then down the track, I might be better at it. You know what I mean? Um, what, what is, and, and, I'll, I'll, and with that suggestion, with me putting that out there, what is the plans uh, for new music? You're just going to keep putting out singles? For now. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, eventually I do want to do a vi- some vinyl and some CDs, but you know, it's, it's, it's weird. Marty, again, Marty Fredrickson was the one that really kind of, enlightened me and made me think like he he was asking me he goes why are you doing a record like uh, you know nobody's buying records i mean it's funny now since i put casi bella out everybody's writing to me they're like dude i buy records i buy records and i'm like well that's great but it that percentage of people that do that is so small now Mm. everybody Everybody has their phone, like what I'm talking to you on. Um, the phone is like the computer. Like I can do Zoom calls. I can listen to music. I can stream music. I can buy music. Um, so that's what everybody's doing. So he made me aware of it. Um, and he even said, he goes, in the last 10 years, where have you sold the majority of your records? And I said, well, either on my website amazon or at my shows so he goes nothing changes just do the video uh do a song and a video let it sit do all your press and he goes now what's happening is the streaming world has kind of has kind of stepped in and become modern day radio 
So that, that's where people hear the song and they go, oh, that's really cool. And then they go find it and they download it and they put it on their phone. So I, I don't know if this is the right way or the wrong way, but this is how I'm doing it. So I would like to do three, four, five songs and videos while I'm getting the rest of the record together. And then at some point go online and say, record's done. Here it is. You know, you can, it's available on my website, Amazon or at the shows. So for the people listening, we're going to play a song. Should we play Cosy Bella or not? What should we play? Yeah, let's play Costa Bella. That's the new one. Let's okay. do that.
guys, this is John Karabi, and you are listening to White Line Fever. Turn it up. Welcome back. Uh, last part of our interview with Josh. I want to thank him for his time. I want to uh, actually sort of dice off this part of the interview from when, when we do the video. And I want to talk about, um, I, I hope it's not too boring for Josh, but I, I want to talk about when the first record came out and the vibe around it and the expectation. I remember being in Manhattan and seeing your picture on the side of a department store on, in the West Village, you know, in, in at the end of the 90s. And and the vibe was that we've just got, that grunge is gone, new metal's gone, rock's back, and this is the guy, this is the guy that's going to bring <laughs> it back. Um, and And... Rock never came back, you know. Really, yeah. as a as as a cultural as a cultural force, as a, you know, um, it's very we all love it, and there's a huge amount of people. It's a big economy uh, still in, in lots of parts of the world, but it never came back. And I just wondered what it was like for you to to live through that period, Josh. I mean, to to be kind of the great white hope and and all that excitement and, and you know what? How would you describe that? Man, it wasn't just us. I mean, if I had a dollar for every time, or, you know, everybody said, oh, this is going to be the next Guns N' Roses. And it was like some band and it was like, oh, they made a record and then you never heard from them again. And, you know, and so on and so forth. And, um, you know, Buck Cherry has always been the black sheep of rock music. We've never been mainstream since we started. Like we started and it was rap rock and that shoegaze and rock that I called it, like the nerd rock, the Buddy Holly glasses and they're looking down at their shoes playing rock music. And, um, and then here we are, Buck Cherry, you know, and nobody's like us. And, and, uh, and so we just kept plugging away. We just kept sticking to our guns and, and doing what was true to us, you know, and built this whole Island that we're, we're the only ones on the Island, you know, and, um, uh, we did that through a lot of hard work and, uh, you know, the live show is, is really what we based everything on, you know, um, as far as rock is concerned, I think, I think since uh, the two thousands, it's been um, forgettable. You know what I mean? It's just been not that the bands aren't good and not that they're not putting out, you know, songs. There's definitely been careers started after the two thousands and rock music, and but it's 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 just kind of like faceless. Like there's no there's no rock stars. There's no guitar stars. There's no rock, you know, rock singers. If you look in the nineties, look at all the great frontmen. you know, you had Chris Cornell and Lane Staley and Eddie Vedder and, and uh, Zach De La Roca and Jonathan Davis and, and so on. And then the two thousands and on, I couldn't even tell you who a singer is, you know, it's like, it's so weird. So um, I think it's because it became like this active rock uh, movement, right. Where everything is tuned down and cut to a grid and you know what I mean? And everybody's playing the samples live and the singers, they, they, they all kind of, they all, they all sing the same. So you listen to active rock radio and it sounds like the same band for 45 minutes. You know, there's no dynamics between bands. There's no like, mm. Oh, that's this band. And that's that band. And, you know, they all have their own little flavor and, it's just not that way anymore. And I think that's why nobody is talking about rock music in the mainstream. There's literally one band that they go to commercially if, if they want to fill that rock slot on some award show or anything. And it's the Foo Fighters. That's it. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. you get for, that's what, that's what you get for the entire rock genre. You know what I mean? Um, mm. And that's good for them. But I mean, it's like, 
if you are into if you're a rock musician it's tough yeah but i'm 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 thinking that when you you know when you, when they were taking that photo that i saw on the side of the department store and you were getting you know the, you were with the stylist you must have thought that the trajectory was heading in a different direction the, the people around you must have told you that it's back and this, this, you're going to be massive and you know what i, I mean i mean that was that was right at the tail end of when you could really start, you could really make a lot of noise still, you know, where there was a, a still a little bit of a controlled marketplace with radio and everything. I mean, our first record was in 99. I don't know if that's the time period. I think you're talking about the Calvin Klein dirty jeans campaign and that I did. And that was on the second record time bomb. So, you know, mm -hmm. that was before we all got into this, this weird place that we're in with rock now, you know, but, um, yeah, uh, I don't know what was going on. I was just like riding the wave and super happy to be getting paid to be a musician. Yeah, for yeah. sure. If there was a, is there, if there was a behind the music made of Buckcherry, which it has to have a certain, um, you know, I just watched the Kiss documentary and they had to have the middle bit with the, you know, Ace and Peter on the drugs and all that sort of stuff. I mean, what from your perspective, was there a, a ditch in the middle was there a was there a you know the old you know do, could you do a behind the music on buck cherry and it would it fit the 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 uh the temple mm. you know oh i you know 15 was an amazing comeback story and yeah. i you know i think that uh i mean we've had a lot of changing uh changing musicians for sure you know that's something i didn't see coming and but we also tour a lot and we wear people out and we, we, we we've worn crew guys out and mm -hmm. a lot of band guys. And, um, you know, is it that interesting? I don't know. Um, the comeback story of 15, super interesting. You could do a whole behind the music just on that story because it's unbelievable how it had success, you know? So, and I could go on and on about that. I've talked to about it many times in the past, but, um, mm -hmm. Yeah, the overall story, of course, you could do behind the music. I mean, there's a lot of peaks and valleys. It's it's like whenever this this band is backed up against the wall, like we were with uh, the pandemic, uh, we always make our our best records, and Hellbound is one of the best. And um, you know, and that happened on 15 as well. You know, we had had a hiatus. Everybody had written us off. You know, we got new band members, and we just went for it. You know, and um, nothing nothing in that equation said we were going to have success and we did yeah before uh, you go we finish with a, a final song and thanks for your time the 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 band name josh todd and the conflict i mean at the time as someone from a distance i thought well there's there's drama here you know what i mean there's like um i'm not sure if there's going to see another another um buckcherry record i mean wh where did the name of the band come from and what was actually going on at the time was it just guys worn out who didn't want a tour or was it more more than that no there was some stuff going on with buck sherry and uh i wanted to continue to be creative and i went back to my roots you know i started in four-piece bands not five-piece mm -hmm. and um my whole my whole foundation is like independent punk rock records you know and there was a band that i really liked when i was a kid and it was called conflict and right. um and i thought i just love that word you know, I wanted to incorporate that word and I wanted to call my bad, my band something, you know, I always liked that, you know, like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, you know, and stuff like that. So it was Josh Todd and the Conflict and um, I wanted to make a really aggressive rock record and and Stevie uh, 
Stevie's known me since I was 19. So he, he knew exactly where I wanted to go with it. And we, we made a, an amazing record. That's a great record. If, if you haven't checked out that record year of the tiger, you should check it out. But, um, uh, yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun and kept us busy. And, um, and then, you know, that was like, that was the first record that Stevie and I really got to, to do on our own. And we had such a blast making that. And then it kind of was the build up to uh, war paint and hellbound. Our time is almost up. Um, I just wanted to ask you uh, one more question. You said that um, you wear crew guys out, you wear bandmates out. Can you and Stevie be worn out? Uh, yeah. No, Stevie and I are like, it's weird. There, there's a, we're bonded for life. I mean, there was a, there was a point in time where we, uh, w- when we met, you know, we were still drinking and using drugs quite heavily, you know, and, and, um, when we parted our ways, I had to get away from that scene so I could get cleaned up, you know, and, and that meant, uh, Stevie and I were roommates at the time and I lost contact with him because I had to get clean, you know, and he hadn't made that decision yet in his life. And so I went and did my thing. And then eventually Buck Cherry happened. And then eventually we came back together again. Uh, and Stevie was cleaned up and it was like, it was like so good seeing, cause we, we were really good friends and roommates and we were never in bands together prior to that, you know? So, um, but we're just bonded for life for whatever reason. Uh, God has put us in a place to where we, we always come back. And, and so um, I think we're going to weather the storm. No retirement, no retirement. Okay, um, could we just have another song? Yeah, let's listen to No More Lies. No more lies, no more lies. No more lies, no more lies. Too far now. 
Hey, this is Josh Todd from Block Cherry, and you're listening to White Line Fever. Check it out. Hello, everybody. Welcome back uh, to White Line Fever. My name is Steve Mascord. Second part of our interview with Kelly Keegi here from uh, Night Ranger. Kelly, um, there's a couple of really interesting aspects of, of um, for me, as a non-musician, of, of you being a drummer and a singer. The first aspect um, that, that interests me is people in bands of, you know, certain vintage say that the... The, the guys who are most at the um, mercy of the passing of time are the singer and the drummer, you know, because it's physically demanding, you know, physically, you know, from the neck down if you're a drummer and, and, and you know, from here up if you're a singer. Is that, how do you, how do, how, does that, it's not an issue for you clearly. I mean, um, but do you worry about it? I mean, do you think about it much? What's sure. the Sure. I mean, you have to get back in touch with those, you know, like uh, doing both at the same time. Some, you know, if you have enough time off, you know, and then you go into a gig, which I never give myself that much time off. I'm always like either practicing or trying to do, you know, like work on the set or something like that. We have, I have a pro tools set up that I can just go and play the set, you know? So that's, that's the most difficult part is like trying to figure out timing, managing air while you're playing drums, singing, you know, I'm basically singing on every song, either backgrounds or lead vocals, you know. So it's it's been a challenge, you know, you know, the older you get, you know, you start to maybe not want to do it. <laughs> I'm getting cranky about it. No, no. I mean I love doing it. It's it's a it's a great challenge for me and kind of keeps everything rolling in my head, physically, mentally. So I love do you, it. Do, do you um like from from the point of view of singing you know, as, as one of the guys who interviewed you pointed out that the shows are played, most of the songs are performed in the, in the same keys they're recorded so many decades on. Is that hard? I mean, is, is that hard from a singing point of view? Sure, mm. sure. I mean, it takes, a, it takes work when you're not doing it, mm. you know, um, to kind of get back in that in sync, you know. With mm. me, you know, my, my phrasing is a little more like, uh, vocally, it's a little more R&B. Mm -hmm. So I like messing with the time a little bit so mm. that becomes a challenge when i'm just playing when i'm constantly playing the two and four and one you know one two three and then trying to sing phrasing that flows better mm -hmm. i mean i always go back and i study all the older singers maybe not rock and roll sinatra is a perfect example mm -hmm. sinatra like sings like a saxophone player that's what you know that's yeah, what quincy yeah. jones said he like sings like a saxophone player would play and I went back and studied that when I heard that, and I was like, "Man, he's right. His flow and his phrasing is great." So I try and try and hone in on that because I I really love that idea of like being able to be able to do two separate things. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the other, the second part of the um, question was, it seems as a non-musician to be they seem to be counterintuitive to each other, the two skill sets, because one is rhythmic and one is melodic. And yeah. have you ever tried to teach someone who can do both brilliantly to do them both together and obviously it's the way your brain is wired that you can do them both together not everyone can do it have you had experience with people who are brilliant at both individually but can't do them together oh sure hmm. i mean all the time you know i run into people like you know that are brilliant at their instrument but they you know but they can't grasp the idea of like singing you know doing a lead vocal you know hmm. i mean that's a whole other thing it just needs to be separate you know i just learned from the beginning when i was seven years old i started doing both so i ran into those problems early and i started to function differently 
by the time I was like age 13, I was doing pretty good, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, so, I mean, you know what I'm saying? And I started playing with professional guys who were like, what are you playing there? That sucks, you know? So I, I got, you know, I, I got that early on, at, get, uh, coming out of high school, playing with guys that were 30, you know, that mm -hmm. were already seasoned players, you know? So that would help too when you get to, those coaches that are like kicking you in the butt. You know? Yeah, yeah. Is it a, is it a dying skill set to be able to do both at once have you can you see kids coming through who can do both or, or not i mean you know i i um i don't see any younger musicians wanting to do that but i know they are i mean look at the look at you know um YouTube. all of a sudden G dean casanova is out there singing like brilliantly you know like like you know like steve perry was you know it's like i remember when he started doing it like 10 15 years ago he like he covered you know because their lead singer was having trouble and he was singing and I and I've known the guy forever. Mm -hmm. And I call him up and I go, I go, where did you you know it's like all suddenly it was a surprise that he was singing like Steve Perry. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. You I, asshole. <laughs> I just can't imagine doing it. Okay, let's have another song. Uh which yeah. which song can we play now? Well I mean we have uh, uh Bring It All Home to me is the second single. We have um there's a ballad um that's that's going to be uh like a, a lyric video the hero is that the ballad sure yeah okay we'll go we'll go with, we'll go with that one Doesn't seem to be a plan to get yourself back up again. You've tried everything you say, laid awake at night and prayed for the light to shine on you again. When you can't afford a hero. Yeah, the 
Now there's no more lonely girl She even had a kid or two And every day's a sunny day It could have been another way If she hadn't listened to this Yonder, <laughs> and I'm not even going to try to rhyme anymore. <laughs> Michael Monroe here for White Line Fever, and dig, you get a chance, come and check us out live. We're going to rock your socks off and whatever, rock like fuck, that's what I say, okay? <laughs> come on down and rock on. 